Let me tell you something. You keep doing that, and you're going to get it when you get home. That was my mother pulling me to the side when I was at one of my tennis tournaments as a little kid. And she was not happy with me showing anger and having basically a little meltdown on the tennis court when I was not winning. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into how to be great before they come. I'll see you soon. be the first to admit it. I had um, I had an attitude. I was at one of our qualifying tournaments to play tennis. I must have been around 10 or so. And um, the girl that I was playing against was far better. She was walking me like a dog around <laughs> that track and I hadn't been used to that. And so, yeah. But Not only that, I was a little peeved that we were on the back court and there was no one there. My mother had um, met, had driven separately. I had driven with uh, my team in the, in the van. And so my mother was behind us and I don't, I, I didn't know at the time what was happening, but she wasn't even there. Little did I know that they had gotten it mixed up and told her to go somewhere else. So actually, there was no one there on my side. The only people that were there were cheering for this other girl. And they were actually laughing at me. And I was getting more and more frustrated. And I was dropping my racket sometimes. But then it just got to the point where I was beating my racket on the ground, showing my frustration and... uh, my embarrassment and all of that. And yeah, by the time my mother got there, I had already lost a a set and I knew I had to make things happen. And it just seemed like the more I um, tried the, and I don't even want to say it was the more I tried, it was the more I tried to continue the heavy weight of uh, defeat. And feeling sorry for myself weighed against me. I was making unforced errors. I was doing things that I knew better. And we had a break that um, actually the other girl called, as if if memory serves me right. And that's when my mother, by that time, my mother had gotten there in time to, you know, have watched me. And that's when she laid it down. And in my mind, I was well justified in my reactions But she was like, don't you ever get out here and do this again. She didn't talk about embarrassment to her or even to me. You know what she talked about? She talked about how you do, and this is one of the things that um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have heard and taught their kids, but my mother was one of those. And she was like, how you do anything is how you do everything. She says, if you can't play your best and control your emotions when nobody is watching. What do you think is going to happen when the added pressure of an audience is on you? And so today I really kind of want to just pause it, you're not pause it, but slow it down and talk about how to be great before they come. We are locked in this situation right now as of when I'm making these um 
these podcasts where the whole world is watching everything you do, whether you invite them to or not. Even if no one says anything, someone is watching. And how do I know that? Because in that tournament, I wish I could tell you that I had a huge success, but I didn't lose as badly as I had in the first set to the point where I started having that little girl running around. But because she had such a lead on me in that second set, it was hard to kind of really come back um, to to, um, win the whole thing. now, as like I said, as I remember, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm trying to <laughs> remember this. As I remember, I uh, my, my mom laid that down, and I knew she was not playing. I, yeah, we actually tied that second set, but she won in the third. And um, by yes, that's right. Because by that time, my coach Kenneth had made it over to check on me, and. Um, he was like giving me thumbs up and everything because my mother had got me correct. She had made me get my life and I was doing my best by then, but um, she still ended up winning. And I remember my mother telling me, hold my head up, you know, as long as you give it your best and you be great when nobody is looking. You, you, you know, you have nothing to be ashamed of. And I have to, I totally had to give that to my mother for rescuing me out of that because I, I was a total basket case with my emotions. And like I said before, being honest with myself and my mother, as you know, she made me ride home with her. No, I was not going to Dairy Queen with the rest of the team to celebrate. She was like, you going home because we're going we, we gonna to have a conversation. And I remember her driving me home and uh, talking to me. And she wasn't fussing. She was, I, I, at this time as an adult, I can see how my mother, uh, she, she was trying to protect me from hurts that would happen if I didn't get this lesson then. And she was like, I know that you want to be perfect. I know. And she knew her child well. She says, I know that you always want to win. She says, you're not going to always win, but you don't have to lose badly. And and she was like, so what if you weren't the popular kid that everybody was going to go watch in their, their attorney? She's like, you don't worry about that. And she continued to work on me with that because I had a problem with that as a little kid. And that is the reason why I I truly believe she encouraged me to have those team sports uh, so that I would have good social interaction and skills and understand what it felt like to win and lose. And in hindsight, I really thank her for that, you know, because of my mother, I would go on to um, embrace a mantra of of tenacity and persistence. And, and that mantra to me is no means next. No does not mean defeat. No means next. So the wisdom smack, as I'm as I'm sitting here and I'm I'm talking into the void, and I'm I'm so grateful because nowadays I don't really have that debilitating energy that wants instant gratification. I don't necessarily um, get demotivated when it doesn't seem like the audience is there. 
And it and it's not that I I even say, oh, the audience will come. Now, for you, dear soul, that is listening to this, this is the wisdom smack that I want to give you. Don't trust your lying eyes. Don't you dare do it. It doesn't yet appear what it will look like. But I want you to know that you need to be great before they come. That's the blessing. That is where the rubber meets the road and you understand what the perfecting, purifying work is happening. And it's better to be able to do it in the dark or the unseen before you have to do it on the big stage. We live in a world now where people just do not seem to have um, the patience for being kind to others. There's a saying that says, um, people judge themselves by what they mean, but they judge others by what they do. Have you ever had someone make a, a serious mistake and they say, but I didn't mean it that way. And yet and still the pylon happens. That is what happens when you fail or, or don't give your best in the public eye where everybody can see you. I'm starting to learn, and it's sad that it's taken me all this time, but I am starting to learn that in the quiet stillness, that is where the blessings happen. And going back all those years, when I I think about how my mother sacrificed to get me my tennis gear, my tennis shoes and rackets and balls and clothing and paid my fees to be in this tennis club for her to come out there and see her daughter losing it and beating up a racket. I, I probably would have snatched a knot in my little, my little neck, but my mother didn't, but she did lay down the law. And Mama, I know that your energy somewhere can hear this. Thank you. I just want to say thank you because my mama taught me to be great before anybody is looking. She said, you know what? If you can't act right when it's just you, how do you think you're going to act when there's the pressure of everybody looking at you? You know, um, I think RuPaul made it popular, but... I've heard this a lot of times in my life growing up. And that was, you know, he says something to this effect. Um, how are you going to, uh, you know, or, or something to the effect that, you know, love yourself. Or, and based on that, you know, you can love others, which is comes from the Bible, of course. But he says, you know, if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love others? My grandmother didn't use the word love. What she what she used was in connection to your morality, your virtue and your character. And she used to always tell us. Character is who you are when no one is looking. Character is who you are when no one is looking. And my mother didn't uh, remind me of my grandmother saying, but she did tell me, I'm going to tell your grandmother what you were out here doing. And I'm telling you, when she told me that, oh, my heart hurt because my grandmother had told us that. Now, mind you, I want to say I was nine or 10, you know, somewhere therein. And I had only been playing tennis uh, for a short while. 
uh, maybe not even a year. And um, so rightfully so, my um, tennis um, level or, or, or seeding, because we were seeded, was such that it wasn't going to get a lot of attention. These, you know, were part of all of those little matches that are played in the in the dark where the victors emerge out of this darkness to play in the big time or where people's attentions go. But my little pea brain at that time or my I'm not going to call my mind a pea brain. I'm thankful for my mind. Um, but my my understanding, my childish understanding at the time couldn't make room for the fact that I was invisible to those people. and. Going through that and many other situations where I was faced with having to do stuff where people either didn't care what I was doing or uh, I wasn't the the big draw, I started developing stuff that I look back and I only know that I have those skills and those components of my personality because I went through that. I've had people ask me, Michelle, how in the world do you write your books, uh, every, you know, every day. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't do it every day, y'all. I'm, I'm still working on that. But how do you manage to write those books? And yes, I write the words in my books, typos and all. I write them, okay? So I don't, I don't outsource. Not at this particular time. I, I've never outsourced a book to be written. Um, they ask me things like, how do you Make yourself get up and go exercise every day when when nobody is forcing you. How do you do X, Y, or Z? How do you do these daily podcasts when you're not guaranteed for anybody to, to listen? It could be how do you or whatever. And it is because of that wisdom that I gleaned over the years of doing stuff when nobody cared. Nobody was thinking about it. And I was learning to practice in the forgivable dark, practice when no one was around. And it helped me. So there are, there are some things that when you don't get the immediate gratification or, or the immediate feedback that you start to develop. Yesterday, in, in yesterday's podcast, and I, for whatever reason, my allergies were acting up and I was coughing a lot. So I, forgive me, y'all, but I, I knew if I didn't go on and just do it, I wasn't going to get it done because I had been coughing all day. Uh, but in yesterday, I talked a little bit about grit. And I'm going to be devoting uh, an entire podcast to it. But one of the things that I do want to say about the concept of grit, having grit, these days is that it differs from um, expertise. It differs from even tenacity and perseverance. And the reason why it differs is this little component of sticking to one thing, just one thing, not being deferred, not being um, deterred, detoured or whatever away from this one thing for a long time without any feedback, without any feedback. Now, you guys know that I, I love me some peak performance. I love studying in the zone. I, I love studying uh, expertise and all of that stuff. 
But for every expert, there's also got to be someone who is in the grind, in the grit, in the toil, doing stuff where nobody is uh, giving them accolades and hoo-yahs and all that kind of stuff. And it is that person, I believe, who is able to grasp both sides. Remember how I'm, I'm always talking about the polar polarities and sometimes you get to walk in the middle, but eventually if you want to move forward, you've got to have the friction of both sides clashing against each other to produce some kind of movement, you know, because in the middle is stagnation. It's when these forces come against each other and start colliding that you move forward. You know, so on the one hand, there is this quote unquote practice that you might want to want to say, you know, like practice makes perfect and all this. But on the other hand, there is those times where you just got to stick with it, no matter if you get the accolades or not. You see, the next thing was, is my mother, like I said, my mother knew her children. And the next thing was she made me get up the next day and go to practice. She's like, I don't care how embarrassed you are. Because everybody on my team that day won but me. Yeah. And I wanted to quit. And it would go on to where I lost. Um, I think it was. Yeah. I lost my first four consecutive four tournaments. And everybody else was winning. I lost my first four. <laughs> and my mother was like, no, you're not going to quit. You're not going to give it up. Now, I remember um, that at the time, my mother um, had some things that she could pull out of her tool belt, out of her treasure chest, or whatever you want to use to help me. Now, I don't know if you've been listening for a while, but I talked about my first job. And my first job that I had was from the uh, the time I was nine until I was 12. Now, remind you, I'm playing tennis as well. And my mother was like, you have more responsibilities than these other kids because you have a job. So you have to be more responsible at an earlier age. And she was like, you have to understand that you being in this tennis um, thing and being able to go to these meets means that you need to be grateful for that time because I would know that by the time I got through with those meets in the mornings, I would be meeting up with my sister and we would be getting those lawns done and all of this other stuff uh, because, as I said before, my mother had these mottos. Your decisions should never cause anybody to have to, you guessed it, sacrifice or um, give of their time. But, you know, she would say that, but she would still support me, you know, and, and help me with little stuff. And so because she was um, already able to pull from the, uh, the, the knowledge that I, I was being, you know, trying to be responsible with my entrepreneurial spirit and, and working a job, she was reminding me that this is the same. You know, it doesn't matter. She, and, and she even said it, she was like, do you and Monique, uh, well, I'm not going to call my sister's name, but do you and your other sister, do you guys not do the best you can on those lawns when no one's looking? And we were like, no. I mean, I, I was like, no. And she was right. She was like, how you do anything is how you do everything. And my grandmother's 
words were coming back to me. Now, the good thing is, is my grandmother didn't get in on me um, about the way I acted at that first meet. I guess my mother, you know, had done what was needed because I got my act together. Um, But she, like I said, teaching us little things like your character is who you are when no one's looking and you need to make it the best you can. You have to be great when no one is checking for you. When no one is pushing the like buttons, you got to be okay with continuing to do what you do, even when you are not getting positive, supportive feedback. You got to keep going. You got to keep doing. Because a lot of times, that's where the greatness is made. That's where you are honing your craft to be ready when they do come. The um, the way I see this uh, in in today is nothing is new under the sun, as as we all know. But I have noticed that when people come on the scene, um, they can come many different ways. But the two biggest ones are either they're ready or they're not. And it's very obvious. There are people when they get their 15 minutes plus of fame. You can tell whether or not they have been developing these necessary skills to be able to handle the glare and the spotlight. I've seen so many people that think, and I don't know, I don't know why, but they think I want fame. And I'm like, do you really, do you really understand that when you get fame, you become the snail under the uh, magnifying glass? Do you really understand what that means? Are you able, do have? Do you have a protective coating to reflect all of that glare, all of that attention, all of that pressure? You know, it, I could go on and on about, you know, some of the ramifications. But let me tell you something. When I went to my next meets, my, my coach even said, you got this, you know, and he would call us all tigers. <laughs> our, um, it was affiliated with our school and we were a magnet school of a university and the university's mascot was a tiger. So we were kittens, but he would call us tigers. And he was also uh, the tennis coach for uh, the men's team for the university. And he would, you know, he kind of like just did this on the side uh, to help us out. But he would be like, you got this tiger. And I would go out there and I would lose, but I would not hold my head down. And because I knew that I gave it my best. And the thing was, is I was like, you know what? I am doing like my mother taught me. Now, I would go on to hear uh, cute little anecdotes about what I was learning back then, like fail forward. Um, I, I grasp onto a famous statement. I don't know who said it, but I loved it because that had been my life. And it was this, that failure is the cost of tuition for success. You see, a lot of times people are looking for that instant feedback. They take a picture, they make a cute little meme, they do a little statement and they put it online and then they wait and they wait for somebody to come by and like it or comment or or whatever. And because nobody likes it, they say, well, I guess that wasn't good. And they go away. And it's, it's human nature. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just letting you know where you are in your journey of honing your skill and becoming great. To me, I think it's a blessing that the universe will bless most of us 
most of us with that precious time to fail in the darkness or fail before the few. You know, I I love being able to make these podcasts. I love the intimacy that I feel. And I'm also always shocked at the people who listen to me every day, who I don't have to beg them. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the fact that they listen to me every day, thank you, by the way, you love you, darling, love you, beloved. I send you kisses right now. I'm grateful for you sharing with me. But I'm going to tell you what, even if you don't listen, I'm going to be here every day. As long as my body, my mind, my soul, and my resources are able to do it, I'm going to be here. And it's because this is what I do. This is who I am. And I'm great before they come. I'm working out those things. Now, let me tell you some more byproducts in this wisdom of being grateful for when you start something that you don't have a large audience. You start to build self-restraint. Now, I have uh, been going through um, the some of the Stoics, uh, the, the philosophers that preceded your Aristotles and, 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 the, um, and, and the like. And the Stoics were all about self-control. They were all about taking your time. And um, I wrote down um, this statement. It's, uh, it's from one of the ancient texts. Uh, but whenever I think about these types of things, I, I try to remind myself. And I, I heard the statement again the other day. And I was like, let me write that down. Because, I mean, that has been something that I have uh, used as a guiding stick. Here's the statement. And it, the statement is, old men are for counsel. Young men are for war. So old men are for counsel and young men are for war. And what that means to me in this context is that there is a time for being retrospect and having restraint. And then there is a time for aggression. And I did say aggression instead of assertiveness for aggression and uh, proactiveness. And the thing that I have learned is, is that those times are not long, long between. They are, they, they are kind of like a, um, a, a moving uh, ball, moving towards something. You know, they can work in concert with each other. And the thing is, is that when you are in those times when either you're just starting out or maybe it's been a while, you have to remind yourself that there's a time for counsel and there's a time for war. There's a time for self-restraint and there is a time for self-discovery and breakout and breakthrough. If you are listening to this and you've been doing something for a while and it doesn't seem to be popping off, if all your friends are doing it, not even all, just some, y'all started this race together and they're having great success and you seem to be fair to Midland, as the older people in my, my community would say, I want you to know, that this is your proving ground. This is your perfection. This is where you become great. This is because if you continue to be consistent and diligent, as I've said many times before, they always show up with a paycheck. And that paycheck can be the rewards of what you're after, whether it be good reputation, uh, whether it be ret- uh, retribution against those who've done you wrong, 
whether it be um, for the sake of um, being seen and, and, and of great renown, what our authority, whatever it is, keep going. Know that you're going to have to be able to keep yourself going when no one is in your cheering section. You're going to have to employ grit where you continue to focus on that one thing for a long time without any positive feedback. And on the other side of that coin, you're going to also have to be deliberate in your practice where you have to sometimes seek out feedback that is critical. That says, what am I doing that I can do better? And even, you know, sometimes you're going to have to pay for it. You know, maybe you're going to have to go and find someone who whose job it is, is to coach or to tweak or to help so that they can continue to help you get better. But whatever it is, be grateful. Be grateful whether you are um, doing it or whether it is doing you. <laughs> be grateful because in that you're you're going to you're going to see some progress. Now let me end up telling you what happened. So, I lost my first tourneys and um my first one was a disaster, but those next 3 I started doing what my mother would go on to help me with and my grandmother. And I started learning from every failure. I started learning how to see my patterns. Remember I was a logic puzzles lover, so I was looking at um if X plus Y equals Z, then this must be a Z here and this must be a Y here and all of that. And I was teaching myself strategy and uh, learning to uh, double my observation uh, to understand more about the game, myself and my opponent. And I got to the point where I started winning my tourneys and I started getting seated <laughs> and I started getting really good. And I played um, up until um, I had to transfer to another school. So I played for about seven years on the circuit and I was really good. I got to be really good at it. So I, I just want to thank my mother for, for that and so many other lessons that I'm able to share with you today. I hope, I hope this has helped you in some way that you need to know that you can be great before they come. You don't have to worry and wonder if you're messing up because nobody is giving you accolades. So that's going to do it for me today. Yep, my time is up and I sure do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiber with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Please don't forget to like, share, rate, review, and comment. And please continue to support our podcast. Thank you so much by using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. I'm going to see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.